listen and view today. But we want to bless you with a word from the Lord. One verse of scripture in our hearing, a thought that God has deposited in our heart. And, and I, I just want to give a big shout out to all the pastors and all the churches and all those persons whom are working behind the scenes to promote such productions as these live presentations on Sunday morning. Many are doing Sunday school and others doing live worship services. Thank God that that effort is being made for us to remain connected. If you want to read along with us today, that one verse will be found in the writing of Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah the prophet, chapter number 40, and verse number 31. Isaiah 40 and 31. And the scripture states, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God, we thank you for your everlasting word. We thank you for the treasures that it holds that are so dear to our heart. For the comfort and encouragement, Father, that it gives us as we journey through this walk of life. Now, God, anoint it again that it would bless the hearts of all who receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What many scholars have labeled as somewhat of a blueprint of the scriptures, we find the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is 66 chapters long. 39 of those devoted to judgment upon Israel and Judah for their many sins. While the closing 27 chapters that mirror our New Testament are penned to offer words of comfort. Then how appropriate it is that right here in the very first chapter, chapter 40, the very last verse, that we find those great encouraging words. We're currently walking under a dark cloud of many uncertainties. COVID-19 has become somewhat stressful for many people. But everyone copes with stress. Everyone handles stress. Everyone reacts to stress very differently. But I believe that our response can be determined by a number of things. One, I believe that our background can have a great effect on our response to stress. Even our communities, our faith, and the list goes on. But I can assure us today as the body of Christ that facing any crisis of any degree, it requires that we both trust and wait for God. So I want to use a thought today, wait for Him, or waiting on the Lord. What does that mean? What does it mean to wait on the Lord? To wait means to expect. It means to look forward to. It means to have hope. And so 
in our microwave society in which we live today, waiting is something that many have become too impatient for. But we find all throughout the recorded scriptures, we're commanded to wait on the Lord. Another great definition that I like uh, for the word wait is occupying a state of readiness, anticipating something great is going to happen. Many years ago, the late Reverend Oral Roberts, on his television broadcast, would air on nationwide TV with this slogan, something good is going to happen to you today. And I believe in all my heart that we should occupy that state of readiness as if at any moment God could arrest this virus and remove it from the face of this planet. Old Testament references deal with God's providential care or his favorable care while those of the New Testament relate directly to Christ's coming when we speak on the word wait. But I believe that we could all agree today that we as the people of God, Brother Arbus, we know something about waiting. Can I get an amen? We know something about waiting today. Over 400 years, the children of Israel were, were, were captive in the land of Egypt and they waited on the Lord. And in the process of time, God sent a great deliverer. We know something today about waiting on the Lord. Let's look at Psalms 27 and verse number 14. Psalms 27, verse 14. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Penned by the psalmist David when he was facing a time of trouble. Saints of God, it goes without saying that immediately when we are facing times of trouble, we resort, amen, to the attitude that David had. Pastor, what was that? David said, I'm going to seek the very face of God. I'm going to seek the counsel of God, the presence of God. I, with everything that I am, am going to seek fellowship with God. And after we reach that, then we have to have a made-up mind. We have to be determined. We have to resolve to do what God gives us instruction to. Praise the Lord. Another Psalms immediately comes to mind. Psalms chapter 40 and verse 1 when David says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. Oh, how comforting is it today to know that God sits readily available to assist us even in the midst of our troubling situations in life. That phrase, waited patiently, actually means that David said, while I'm waiting, I will wait. That's challenging for us, isn't it? Because we want everything in the now. It's challenging for us to embrace patience. But David said, while I'm waiting, I resolve to wait. I'm determined to wait on God. You see, this expressed his complete 
confident trust in the Lord his God. But what about those times that when you prayed and you prayed and you prayed and it seems there is no answer? What about those times that we've prayed days on end and we haven't heard from God? Can I bless us today as the body of believers to know this? That delay doesn't mean denial. Delay doesn't mean that God hasn't heard our cry. It doesn't mean that God has rejected our request. Remember, delay doesn't mean denial. Psalm 69 and verse 3. Another psalm of David. David states, I am weary with my crying. My throat is dry. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. Saints, I don't know how that registers with you, but it says to me that David emptied himself. It tells me that David, glory to God, he cried until his vision was blurred. He couldn't see clearly. His throat was parched. He was physically exhausted from prayer, seeking the very face of Almighty God. Have we ever prayed and prayed and prayed until we were physically exhausted? Jesus, having with him the inner circle of his disciples, journeys to the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing he is about to face death by way of crucifixion. And the scriptures tell us that he prayed until drops of sweat became as blood, exhausting himself. In the very presence of God, his Father. But there are two key elements that I want us to understand here. No matter how exhausted David was, David still placed an unwavering faith in the Lord, his God. And friends, that's the position that we are to take today. We will place an unwavering faith in the Lord. Our God. You see, dependence upon God and the very willingness to allow God to decide the terms are the two key elements. Dependence upon God and a willingness to allow Him to decide the terms. When it seems that we're backed in a corner, we're between a rock and a hard place. We need only to focus on God and his everlasting word. Hallelujah, saints. When it seems that we're against the wall and nowhere to go, then we need to place a total dependency upon God and his everlasting word. You see, while the Israelites were between a rock and a hard place, at the Red Sea in Exodus 14, 14, God uses the great man of God, Moses, to utter these words. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Do we know today that God is fighting for us? Praise his name, saints. Do we know today that the Lord is on our side? Are we assured today that in this battle we're in, that God is in our corner? 
David declares, Amen, I waited patiently on the Lord. The Israelites wanted to run. Is fear not gripping the hearts of many people in our great country and around the world today? Fear has overwhelmed their heart. We in our lifetimes have never witnessed anything to this magnitude or degree. So because of the cloud of uncertainties that we're walking under, many people are embracing the attitude of fear. But David said, I won't fear what man can do to me. The Lord is on my side. Oh, isn't that comforting today to know that God is on our side? I guarantee you with Pharaoh's army pursuing from the rear, the children of Israel standing before uh, the very face of the Red Sea, standing at its entrance, nowhere to go again to clone a phrase between a rock and a hard place. They didn't know what to do. Many folks in our world today are in that same position. Thank God we have a hope in Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah, that he's going to deliver us from uh, any evil that would come our way. Certainly, the children of Israel wanted to run. Many today think that by running, we can escape the current conditions of our world. But the truth is, God is still defending us today. The Lord is still defending his people. I want to challenge all of you today who are listening to set aside your emotions. Amen. Put your feelings on hold and wait on the Lord. Wait on his power. Wait on his presence. Wait, I say, on his purpose. Hallelujah. Wait on the Lord. While we're waiting, we need to pray at every opportunity. But we also need to pray with importunity. Say, Pastor, what does does importunity mean? Importunity means persistence in our request. We need to remain persistent in our prayer life to God. Sometimes it seems that waiting on the Lord is impossible. Remember, we're living in a microwave society Who demands everything in the now? Patience is a difficult thing for many of us. But there are times that within my heart, I believe that God is trying or testing our faith. Any of us remember Abraham and Sarah? father and mother of many nations we remember those two influences in the scriptures who were very well along in years and God had taken Abraham out and he looked up into a starry sky and he says that your descendants are going to be as the number of stars wow how tough could that be for a man who has no children I mean think about it Isn't that challenging? Not only does he not have any children, he's old. 
He's an old man. Doesn't have any children. Can you imagine how difficult it was for Abraham and Sarah to wait on God? I'll tell you how difficult it was. It was so difficult that they thought they would help God. They thought they would get ahead of God. How many of you know that it is a terrible thing to think you can get ahead of God? They thought within themselves, well, we, we have no children. So Sarah said, I'll give my husband, Hagar, the handmaid, that she might bear children by him. Well, we know that from these two, we could keep ourselves out of a lot of trouble if we would learn to wait on God. You say, well, what happened, Pastor? I don't have time to rehash the entire story, but if you look at Genesis chapter number 16, you would discover that Abraham goes into Hagar, and she conceives a son whose name is Ishmael, and amen, he was born, and the troubles have yet to cease. That brought about trouble that God had not intended. All because Abraham and Sarah were impatient and didn't take time to wait on the Lord. You know something about God? His timing is always perfect. We may be facing a hardship in life and we've prayed like David prayed till we are just physically exhausted. But the truth of the matter is that he is always on time and he is never too late. Can somebody praise him this morning? Hallelujah. God's timing is perfect. It's just like his ways and they are always perfect. Amen. What a God we serve. You see, the scriptures tell us that patience is a virtue. And it's easy to exercise patience, Brother Jerry, when everything is going along your way. When it's smooth sailing, it's easy to exercise patience. You say, well, Pastor, where does the challenge come in? The challenge enters the scene when we face the true test of our patience. What does that mean? When the rubber meets the road. When someone treats us unfairly. Oh, here's a big one with pastor. When someone cuts us off in traffic. Oh, my heavens, does that take patience? Listen, we may as well be honest before God. There were times in my own life that I've said, oh, heavens, if cars had great big rubber bumpers and nobody could get hurt. The guy that pulled out in front of me in a 55-mile-per-hour zone and he's doing 20 to pull off 50 yards from where he entered, I would say in my heart, oh, man, if this were bumper cars. None of you have ever felt that way. But there goes that impatience piece again. Always too impatient to wait upon God. How many times did we ever give thought to the fact that that speed bump, so to speak, could have saved our lives? How many times have we even entertained that thought that that individual was sent by God to prevent me from an accident? 
It really comes full circle then, doesn't it? It's when we face difficult situations that our faith in God is revealed. Our faith in God, our faith in His power, our faith in God's timing. Sure, many restrictions and local, state, and government mandates have limited our opportunity to gather together as a corporate body of believers. But with all my heart, I believe that our prayers move the heart of God. And I believe the more that we pray and the more that our faith is unwavering, the more that we bombard heaven as as rapidly as this thing appeared out of nowhere, it's going to vanish as we believe and place our complete trust in God. David said, while I was waiting, I waited. Amen? How many times uh, as a spiritual leader have I myself had to encourage individuals of the importance of prayer? And how many times have I said to those persons, um, have you considered fasting as, uh, amen, a partner with your prayer? Let's fast and pray. Here at Harvest, we're currently undergoing a corporate fast. Oh, my heavens, what greater time would God impress upon our hearts that we would pray for the needs of our world, the needs of our country, the needs of our church, the needs of our family. There's never been a greater time to focus on that than right now. Than right now. Our prayers move the heart of God. How many know that? Do we believe honestly today that our prayers move the heart of our Father? I assure you, in one of his most popular teaching methods, in a parable recorded in the gospel according to St. Luke chapter 18, beginning from verse 1 through verse 8, then he, Jesus, spoke to them a parable that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Saying there was a certain city, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. There was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. He would not for a while, but afterward he said within Himself. Not out loud, but within himself. He said, though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, he will really find, will he really find faith on the earth? 
what was Jesus saying? Jesus taught in the form of parables as life lessons. He knew, Brother Arbus, that these men, the disciples, they would grasp this. It would be something that would stick with them. So he taught in that form. Listen today. This widow was importunate. What does that mean? You remember we said earlier, pray not only every opportunity, but pray with importunity. Importunate means she was persistent. She wouldn't let her case lie dormant. She was going to do everything she could to make this judge respond to her request. So then what was Jesus' point in promoting this parable? You see, just like us sometimes, we initially cry out to God and it produces nothing. We pray and we pray and we pray and we see no results. But what happened in this case? This widow was so persistent that the judge broke down. Amen. She broke his resistance and he gave in to her request. You say, Pastor, how does that tie in to our making our petitions known to God. If we remain persistent, listen to me, saints, if we remain persistent, Jesus is telling us in this parable that this will encourage us as the body of Christ to know that if we remain persistent in our prayers, God it will move him to action. It will move God to action. Many times I've said to individuals, I know that you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed. But the Bible said that some things are only a result of fasting and prayer. There are times we have to give ourselves to a time of fasting and a time of prayer. I need to echo this thought again to you, dear hearts. Our prayers move the heart of God. They move the heart of God. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 11 and verse number 9. Luke 11 and verse 9. 11 and 9. Praise the Lord. Ask and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it will be opened unto you. What does that hint at, saints of God? It tells us that we should be persistent. That we should keep, glory to God, asking. That we should keep seeking. That we should keep knocking. Hallelujah. And in so doing, God will move on our behalf. You see, the wonderful piece is that God has created us for a relationship and also for fellowship with Him. It's through our prayer life. Would you agree? It's through our prayer life that we remain in contact with God. 
Some people make prayer so difficult. But prayer is nothing more than open communication. It's talking to God as if you were talking to a relative. Prayer is not challenging. Prayer is a blessing that maintains our relationship with God. You say, Pastor, how do I learn to wait on the Lord? You see, learning, it revolves around the process of acquiring knowledge. Somebody say the word process. How many know that that doesn't happen right now? I look at our grandchildren. Sister Oxendine are so blessed and myself. We're so blessed to have three beautiful grandsons. And watching their little lives unfold before our eyes is a process of time. And watching their little characters develop, oh, it's so amazing. So we need to learn today that learning is a process. It takes time to acquire knowledge. In many of our lives, time is indeed of the essence. I heard a pastor say recently that many things that we do, it revolves around time. We get up on time. We go to work on time. We go to church sometimes. Pastor Roy Tucker from Charlotte, North Carolina, giving him a shout out today. But that really hit home. A number of things we do revolve around time. And that's why patience is something so challenging for us as human beings. Because in reality, guys, we would rather do anything in the world but wait. Wouldn't we? We'd rather do anything. If our wife's shopping, she's found those great deals. We would rather do anything but wait. We want things to happen in the now. This microwave society has affected us in more ways than one. But throughout the scriptures, there are numerous examples of those people who waited on God. Is anybody waiting on God today? Are you encouraged to know that His ear is inclined to your cries and that He hears you when you pray and that He sits readily available to come to our aid and assistance even in the times of our troubles? Abraham, he waited on God. He was a little impatient, but nonetheless, he waited on the promises of God and he saw them come to life, didn't he? How about Noah? Noah waited on the Lord. Noah constructed an ark, ministered for a hundred plus years. But did he wait on the promise of God? Of course Noah waited on the promise of God. How about Joseph? Oh, my heavens, hated by his brothers, sold into slavery, finds himself in the land of Egypt. Separated from the people he loves. But did Joseph wait on God? Joseph waited on the Lord. How about Moses? 
Did Moses wait on God? Moses finds himself again, like Joseph, in Egypt, raised in the house of Pharaoh. But something on the inside just it alerted him to the reality that he did not belong in that place. There was something about him that was different. Hallelujah. And in the process of time, while he waited on God, God revealed himself to Moses. He embraced his true identity as the great deliverer, lawgiver of the children of Israel. Our musicians are coming. How about Job? Did Job wait on the Lord? Oh, my friends. All these people faced difficulties. All these great biblical influences faced hardships. But the true test was this, that they waited on God. They waited on the Lord. You see, Job's story stands out because Job, amen, he faced suffering of the most extreme kind. We can relate to that, can't we? We can relate to Job's suffering. Job lost his children. He lost his wealth. He lost his possessions in one single day. In one single day. That would have been enough for many people. I'll go above that. That would have been enough for most people to say, God, I didn't sign up for this. Last week we said religion's not something you sign up for. Help me, somebody. We would have said, God, if this is what it's all about, I want nothing to do with this. If that wasn't enough, if, if, if losing his children, losing his wealth, losing his possessions in a single day wasn't enough, oh, no. Oh, no, it gets worse. Because then Job is covered in painful sores. He's encouraged by his wife. To curse God and die. Oh heavens, then Job is falsely accused by his friends who say that your condition is a direct result of your sin. Oh my. Wow. How difficult must that have been, my friend? But the Bible tells us in the very second chapter of the book of Job, amen, that after all that, that Job didn't have one bad thing to say about God. He didn't have anything bad to say about God because Job realized that it was God who blessed him. It was God who had given him all his substance. It was God who had kept him all the days of his life. He was a reputable man in his community. People were familiar with Job. I believe that he went about doing good to people that he knew. And the Bible tells us later in the 27th chapter, which is devoted to this fact. Through all that Job faced, 
He never lost his integrity. He never detached from his moral uprightness and from his wholesome character. You see, Job had done nothing worthy of the suffering that he endured. But his patience serves as an inspiration to you and I as believers here today. We face struggles. We face difficulties. We face hardships. Oh my, how we draw strength from the recorded stories of the Word of God. In my closing, I want us to look at Psalm 25, 5. Psalm 25 and 5. Learning to wait on the Lord. David says, lead me in your truth and teach me you are the God of my salvation and on you I wait all the day friends David expresses a desire for guidance how do we find the guidance how do we find the direction that we need Lord which way from here God do we go David said, seek the Lord. We are to seek God. For then we position ourselves so that our own demeanor or our behavior itself would reflect that we are patient in waiting on the Lord. Patience self-restraint patience forbearance patience acting calmly in a disturbing situation I need to ask us today who are here and those who are viewing do we honestly believe that we influence people every day as believers we influence people every day and even numbers of lost people in our world right now, they are looking at our response as Christians to COVID-19. They are looking at our reaction. They want to see where our faith is. David said, teach me, God. Help me, God, to wait on you. We don't need to display fear. We don't need to display anxiety. We don't need to be worried. For we know that God, hallelujah, has this matter in His control. Patience. It doesn't develop overnight. But it evolves. Patience through a process develops. How? By resting in the perfect will and perfect timing of our God. That's how patience develops. Put it on the screen for your observance. But patience is just simply the mindset of saying no thanks to anxiety, no thanks to stress. 
Hallelujah. I won't fear what man, hallelujah, can do to me. For the Lord is on my side. Can we give him praise in this place today? Knowing that God, hallelujah, has our best interests at heart. Let's wait on the Lord. Amen. Let's embrace patience. Amen. Let's be patient in waiting on the Lord, our God. Hallelujah. I want to pray for you today. As they are singing. I want to pray for you who are watching, those of you who are listening, those of you who are present here today. I want to encourage you to know that nothing touches your life that doesn't first pass through God's hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we shouldn't be afraid. For the Bible tells us as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord, glory to God, is around about his people. We are sheltered today. Psalm 46 said, he's our refuge. He's our strength, glory. Amen. The writer said, he's our shelter in the time of a storm. Glory to God. Father, I want to pray today for those select ones who are present in this service. Father, for those who are viewing today, for those who are listening today, it's my desire, oh God, that they would be strengthened, Lord, that they would be encouraged uh, by your word, that the presence of he, the comforter, the Holy Ghost, Lord, would counsel them through this difficult time that we are facing. Help us to know today, God, that we are not alone, that, Lord, you are walking right beside us. You are guiding us. You are directing us today, God, every step of the way. Lord, it's Jeremiah 29, 11 that tells us, I know the plan that I have for you, says the Lord. Lord, in the end of that verse, you tell us that you want to bless us and that you want to give us hope, God. You want to give us a future. I pray, oh God, that we would empty ourselves to embrace that mindset and to place complete trust in you, the Lord, our God. Lord, we know that another step will be taken on tomorrow that will even limit our number to fewer people. But we will remain connected as the body of Christ, for we are His church. For that, we glorify and give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.